Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Well, we're beginning a brand new sermon series, four-week sermon series called Wilderness Growing Off the Grid. And um, you may be surprised to learn that the Bible speaks both fondly and extensively about off-grid wilderness experiences. A people just like Jesus or like the Israelites or like Hosea or like Elijah We find evidence of the wilderness experience in the Old Testament. We find it in the prophets. We find it in the New Testament. It's one of the reasons why going out to be with the Lord in nature in the wild can be transformational. Maybe you've been in or currently are in what feels like the wild, the wilderness, where you're all alone. Where it's a place of danger and trouble and hazards, a place where you feel lonely, you feel lost, you feel like there's scarcity, there's not enough of this, there's not enough of that. Being in the wilderness for long periods of time, it's not easy. It's hard. And it really tests everything you've got. The military takes their very best of the best. And when it's time, they take them to places that are just not normal. They take them to the swamps. They take them to the highest mountains. They take them to deserts. They take them to some of the most bizarre wilderness, coldest environments you can imagine. Why? To test them. To transform them from being an ordinary, common citizen or even a soldier to the best of the best, the elite soldiers we have because they've been tested in the harshest conditions imaginable. It transforms them. Transforms them into the best. The wilderness experience comes or it happens Because, really, of two reasons. Because God needs to discipline His people and to get their attention because they've been rebellious. He sends them out to the wilderness. Just ask the Israelites. They were out there for 40 years. Or and sometimes because there is a divine purpose and He needs to prepare them. It's preparatory. It's time to train them to become something they never knew they could become. So they go from being ordinary and common to the elite for the things of God. Wow. So what is it about getting away and getting alone or even struggling on being challenged to being transformed? What's so special about going off the grid? What can we learn from that great cloud of witnesses who've gone through their own wilderness experiences ancient times ago? Some wilderness experiences, well, they're just kind of quiet and calm and actually 
enjoyable. And others are hostile. And they're brutal. But they're always transformative. There are stories in the Scriptures. There are gems for us to see and to learn from. I don't know about you, but when I started going through a real serious wilderness experience, I hated it. I thought God was crazy and got it all messed up. Have you ever asked God why? Or am I the only one in the room? What did I do wrong? How about nothing, boy? How about it's time to grow you up and to be something you never thought you could be? How about it's time to birth a dream in you you weren't even dreaming? And the only way to pull that out of you is to take you out of the city, boy, and take you into the wilderness where I can birth something in you, where I can pull and draw something out of you. Oh, it's going to be hard. It's going to be gut-wrenching at times. Anybody been like that? If not, I'll preach it for myself because it's good. Well, to begin our journey in this new sermon series, we're going to start with one of the most well-known wilderness experiences in the Bible. It's found in Matthew chapter 4. It's immediately after Jesus has been baptized in water, the Holy Spirit came down the image of a dove, and, and God spoke. And He goes from right there, where all three of the Trinity are present in one place, and He's led to the wilderness. But before we get there, I want to share a little short illustration with you. Parnell Bailey visited Orange Grove where an irrigation pump had broken down. The season was unusually dry and some of the trees were beginning to die from lack of water. The man giving the tour then took Bailey to his own orchard where the irrigation was used, well, sparingly. These trees go without rain for can go without rain for another two weeks, he said. You see, when they were young, I frequently kept water from them. Forcing the roots and the rootlets of the new trees to literally dive deep into the soil to find moisture, to find water. And because I did that on a regular basis... These roots are twice as deep as these other orchards. Oh, they can handle not being watered for a long period of time. Folks, it's in the desert, in the wilderness, experience of life that forces our spiritual roots to go deep it goes deep when there's hardship. I go deep when there's adversity. Or I leave. Or I die. See, like the Israelites who wandered in the desert, like Joseph, who got locked up in jail for something he didn't even do. 
And like Jonah in the belly of the well, there are times in life where we must come face to face with our reality and stand on our faith in God and God alone. These wilderness experiences are, and I want you to catch this, wilderness experiences I have come to learn are not curses, they're sacred. A wilderness experience is sacred. It's transformative. God's doing something. As I mentioned earlier, the Bible actually has a lot of stories about people finding themselves in the wilderness and learning and growing in those environments. Sometimes it's an actual physical wilderness. And other times it's a difficult time or season. They find themselves... But in either option, it becomes a place of great teaching for the people in the midst of the hardship. So this morning we're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 4. This is a well-known story about Jesus being tempted or tested in the wilderness. Um, And as we walk through Jesus' experience, I hope we would come to understand the great role of the wilderness. So let's read, starting in uh, verse 1 and 2 of chapter 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. When you translate that, that means that's to the point of death. It wasn't like, hey, I'm hungry, let's get a pizza. This is, if I don't eat, I die. Okay? Now, we've already have to... We need to pause here for a quick minute because I immediately there's some details here that we might not remember because originally for many people they hear he, Jesus went and got water baptized and then he went out into the wilderness and then he got really hungry and the enemy showed up because he was vulnerable. That's not what the scripture says. That's not what it says. It actually says, then Jesus was led. Then, what do you mean then? After you got water baptized and had this incredible experience where God says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. After this moment, then Jesus was led by who? You mean God himself, the divine, led him into the wilderness on purpose? Yep. If you're in a wilderness, if you're in a desert, if you're in a place where it's so cold and and hostile and harsh, if you're in a place that's just crazy, you may be there because God wants you there. Exactly there. At exactly this point in time. For many Christians, we look at the story as though if it's no, no big deal. It's just part of going from the baptism and then going to the desert. And the enemy tried to take advantage. But clearly that's not the case. And then Jesus was led to the wilderness for a specific, very specific purpose. Right there in verse 1, it says, Into the wilderness to be, to be. There's the purpose. 
to be tempted by the devil. What does that mean? To be tempted, to be tested. When somebody is the worst situation imaginable, they're in a personal crisis, they're in a hardship, there's no money, there's relational problems, somebody wants a divorce, somebody's been abused, there's no, there's no I'm getting fired, there's nothing, and you are in crisis mode. You want to know what comes out? When you are on the anvil and the vice, and that thing is pressing in on you, you know what comes out? What's on the inside of you. I don't get to fake it. Not when I'm in the wilderness. The good, the bad, the ugly, it all comes out. Ever notice that? And you get to see it for all its lack of glory that's there. We know from Scripture that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. If you want to look at it, that would be in Luke chapter 2, verse 52. So as long as Jesus lived on the earth, there were experiences and situations Jesus found himself in that helped him to grow. And in Matthew chapter 4, this was one of those times. The wilderness was something that helped him to grow. And it helped him to fulfill what God wanted done. It was a divine purpose. And it actually was a connection to the three same temptations that Adam number one would experience in the garden. And now Adam number two being Jesus would face and pass. There was a divine purpose for the wilderness in Jesus' life. And there is a divine purpose for the wilderness in your life and in my life. You know, uh, these last years, I would say upwards of eight years, um, been some of the hardest I've ever faced in my life. It's been a long wilderness. And, and I'm not asking for sympathy. But I can tell you that because I've gone through the wilderness, my wife and I, my family, we all went through the wilderness together. There was a lot of pain, a lot of, lot of heartache. But I know I am so different than how I was eight years ago. I, I, I even have a, I even talked to my friend, uh, Dr. Nick, Pastor Nick. I call him Golf Ball. His last name's Golf, so I just call him Golf Ball. And we were talking, and he was struggling with, you know, ministry stuff. And, and I shared something with him. He goes, you know, that's why I call you. And then he told me, he goes, Marv, you got to know something. See, he's been my friend for coming on 30 years. He has been there in the desert with me. He has seen me. We worked together for many years in the same office. He goes, Marv, there's a depth of maturity that I see in you compared to where things were years ago. You're just not the same guy. He goes, I call you because I need help, and I have a doctorate degree, but I need you. I said, were well, you going to pay me? 
I'm just kidding. It wouldn't happen without the wilderness, folks. And this week, uh, my, uh, I had to put my bulldog down. <sighs> that had me one of the roughest days, you know. My wife said, it seems like it's an end of an era. Because when all the crazy wilderness happened, we had just got Maximus, we call him Max, we had just got that bulldog, I don't know, a month or two ahead of time. He was a puppy. And, and that, that little bulldog, he was like 90-some pounds at, at one point. He was a big boy. Um, he was always there. You know what I'm saying? He was there in the wilderness. But I'll tell you something. As much as Max was there for me, my wife, the kids, it just doesn't compare to how much the Lord was there. I'm so grateful the Lord gave us an animal that we could love like that. I mean, this dog was awesome. My son Hunter, he, he taught him something. He taught him, you know, down, and then he'd go, bang, and a bulldog, right? And he'd roll him over like this, play dead, just so he'd get his treat. It was the best. He really was. It was a, just the, the he, I just, I can't describe it. Um. You know, God's a God of surprises, right? And I, I just pray God surprises me when we get to heaven. And I've had lots of dogs, but I've only had one Maximus. There's something special about it. Folks, whether it's grief, whether it's a loss, whether it's been so difficult and you did nothing wrong and something bad happened, and you feel like you're in the wilderness... You're not alone. And it doesn't mean you did something wrong. It could have been. How many have done something stupid and you suffered because of it? Okay. And there's other times you did nothing wrong and you're like, what happened? You see what I'm saying? But in that, there is transformation. I went through a really hard time. My family did. We went through all this horrible stuff, been betrayed, been falsely accused, and all the rest, and your name is slammed, and, and it's just like you can't even defend yourself. And you went through all this ugliness, lost all sorts of money, and all. I mean, it's really tough. But you go through that wilderness, and you come out something new. And you have hope like you didn't have before. You have a, a vision that you can't, you've never seen before. Something changed. And it hurt. It hurt bad. But God is so faithful to get you through. Just, just stay tight. There's a divine purpose. Jesus is our example because when you're in the middle of that kind of, of wilderness, what do you do? I mean, if you notice when you look at Jesus and there comes the temptations and Satan himself is literally on target with him and challenging him and giving these temptations and Jesus always goes to the Word of God. It says, the Word says, but the Word says. Notice he didn't say, but you know Anna... 
that prophetess. And you remember Simeon? You remember all these biblical guys who laid hands and prayed for me when I was born eight days after I was born? You didn't refer to that. Hey, you know, I was talking to God the other day and he gave me a thus saith the Lord thing. He didn't say that. Do you know what he says? He says the word says. He says the Holy Scriptures speak. Catch that. For all of us who are charismatic, for all of us who are Pentecostal, he doesn't talk about the prophecies. He doesn't talk about the special event here and the special spiritual event. No, no, he talks about the Word of God. The Word of God. It's in his heart. You know, if you, you Google any variation of the phrases containing the word hardship or, or character or true character or true heart reveals something of that sort, you're going to find a long list of quotes. Essentially, all of them saying the same thing. And don't be start using your phones right now. Of the hardships and difficult times that they reveal the essence of who that person truly is. There's something about adversity that lowers our walls down and we are fully exposed, good or bad. So it should be no surprise to us that when Jesus is being tempted three times in the desert, in the wilderness, his response is to go to the Scripture to find solace, to find strength, to find boldness, to fight the lies of the enemy. He's not just tired. He's physically fatigued. He's not just hungry. He is starving. It's in this condition that his immediate response is to speak the Word of God, to quote the Word of God, the Word of God, the Word of God. Nothing else. Let's go to verse 3 of chapter 4. Again, the book of Matthew. During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No. The Scriptures say... People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, <laughs> and said, if you are the Son of God, do you, do you hear the bait? Do you hear the testing? I mean, if he's insecure with himself, he wants to prove that he's the Son of God. But he's not insecure. <clears throat> If you're the Son of God, jump off. For the Scriptures say, now he's trying to use the Word of God against Jesus. He will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responds, The Scriptures say, also say, you must not test the Lord your God. You must not put God to a foolish test. Next, the devil took him to a peak of the very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I'll give it all to you. Notice Jesus doesn't argue with him. 
Jesus realized he's being honest actually here. He said, if you will kneel down and worship me, get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. For many folks, this story is so familiar, but we should never lose sight of two simple, profound things. One, Jesus, the incarnate Son of God, was tempted just as you and I are. He got tested. In the face of those temptations, now, number two, Jesus modeled exactly what our response should be. Go right to the Scriptures. Go to the Scriptures. Jesus demonstrates how to use Scripture in times of testing, a time of need. There's no greater encouragement or tool or weapon than the living Word of God. And of course, this means that we must know and we must memorize the Scripture. Let's look at Psalm 119, verse 11. The psalmist says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. See how important? If you don't want to sin, Marvin, if you don't want to mess up and sin, you got to hide his word in your heart. You got to memorize it. In times of crisis, we tend to react. You know, the adrenaline kicks in, and we even begin to lose our fine motor skills, and we can't even write or put our signature because so much adrenaline's pumping through us, and we, we can't do fine motor skill things. Something's going on inside of us. And, and at that point in time, we just kind of struggle with our reaction. We're not precise. This is why in the military, this is why in law enforcement, because they will encounter crisis, because they will encounter altercations, they will have conflict that will come up to that person of law enforcement, that person of military. You know what they do? They repeat to them a protocol, a process, that when this happens, this is what you do. And when this happens, this is what you do. And they make it really simple so the mind, immediately through this training of going over and over, repeating and repeating over and over again, drilling it, drilling it. So when it comes at an unexpected time, at an unexpected hour, at, at, at a time that maybe they were asleep, immediately they go right into their training so they don't forget anything. They fall on their training in that moment, so they behave as an elite law enforcement officer, elite soldier, warrior. They're ready because they've already trained for the crisis before the crisis came. It doesn't matter what the crisis is. It doesn't matter what the situation is. If it's like this, this is what I do. If it's like this, this is what I do. It doesn't matter who the name of the other people are. This is what I do. So I don't, I don't what? I don't panic. Now, crisis comes to the believer, to the body of Christ. It's a wilderness experience and the temptations come. What are you supposed to do? Well, if you're training every single day, 
That if the enemy wants to do this, this is what you do. If the enemy wants to say this, this is what you say. And you go to the Word of God each and every single time. That when the crisis comes, guess what happens when you squeeze toothpaste? It comes out. And guess what happens when they squeeze you? And you've been in the Word day in and day out for not just a week, a month, a year, but your life. And the squeeze of the vice. And all of a sudden, you know what comes out? He's King of kings. He's Lord of lords. He's Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. For greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. His name is a strong tower I can go to and find refuge. And before you know it, it just squeezes out of you. You can't fake it. Did you notice that Satan even tried to misquote, misuse that scripture? Sometimes the enemy will do that. He'll do that either with a false teaching. He'll do that with a false understanding of the scriptures. And before you know it, you're caught in a trap. What's the best solution to something that's counterfeit? Study the authentic. Stunning authentic $100 bill, a $20 bill, and you study it and study it and study it and study it. Anything that's not that just shows up. I used to be a cashier back in the day, and back in the 80s. I know that was back when dirt was born. But <laughs> when, the, when the fake money would come through, I, I caught at least three. And, and I would have literally $30,000, $40,000 currency that would go through my till every single day. And so because I knew what it looked like, and I go, oh, call, call the supervisor over. I go, hey. I'm, it's funny money. And then they have to deal with it. You know, we weren't even allowed to give it back to the customer. It's a federal violation. They want it off the market. They don't want it out there. Don't let the enemy confuse you with the Word of God. Study it so well that you know what is true. At the end of this back and forth, Jesus is triumphant, and in verse 11, he says, the Word of God says, Then the devil went away, and the angels came and took care of him. Now, I don't know how he, they took care of him. You know, I don't know. Maybe they made some carne asada, you know, made some burritos. I, I don't know. But it says that they cared for him. This is how, how powerful this principle is, is that no matter what you go through, God's going to care for you. See, he got to the other side, and the angels were there to care for him. The blessings came. There are numerous references in the Psalms, and perhaps the favorite is, is this well-known Psalm 121. And, and in verse 3 it says, He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber, will not sleep. Isn't that wonderful? Sometimes we got to be reminded about his promises of how he'll take care of us in the wilderness in time of need. Let's watch this video. You may have seen part of it before. <laughs> Thank you. 
Psalm 121 should give great comfort to us no matter what we're facing. No matter how thick the wilderness might be. The creator of the entire cosmos says he'll never take a break and he'll watch over you and those you care and those you love. And to take it a step further, the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 10.13, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. There's no temptation you will face in life that is uniquely positioned, designed to destroy you, that God will not provide a way of escape or a way out. It may not feel that way at times. I know that. I've experienced that. I know people who have experienced that. But God is always faithful. And through the strengthening by the Spirit of God, we can, like Jesus, stand in the face of adversity, stand in the face of pain and suffering and temptation, and we can overcome because He has overcome. I know many of you here today, you're facing hardship. Maybe you're suffering. And you're asking the question, How much longer I can't take any more? It's just too difficult. The wilderness is a dangerous place. But the wilderness is also a sacred place. Let them transform you into something you never even dreamed about. The wilderness is uniquely equipped. It's a place where God brings His people, meets His people, and grows His people in their faith. Now, some of you are old in this room. Hello? Did you know that you don't get to stop learning about God just because you got old? Do you know that God still has something He wants to burst in you, develop in you, change in you? It's a metamorpho. It's a transformation. If you're willing to say, God, I stopped dreaming a long time ago. Isn't this good enough? I know all these scriptures. God says, no. I'm not even close to being done, Abraham. Sarah, there's so much more that's got to be done. Wow. Your will, your way, God. It's true, you can expect that it's hard, and it will be hard. You expect to be incredibly painful at times, even unbearable. But you can also expect God to be there with you. Just like he was there for Israel. Just like he was there for Jesus. Just like he was there for Elijah. Just like he was there for, and I can just keep going. So, 
Be encouraged. Here's it's real simple. Press into the Word of God. Start reading it. Start memorizing it. Combat the lies you're hearing with the truth of the Scriptures. Stand strong in your faith. Believe you might just... If you believe strong enough, hard enough, you might just be surprised by what kind of person you will transform into on the other side of this wilderness. Father, I pray for your people. Lord, I pray for them. Lord, whether they've been through the wilderness, and Lord, there's some residue that that just seems to linger. There's something that's just not right. Whether they're in the middle of the wilderness, or whether they're just entering the wilderness, they need to know that you're right there. That you will never leave or forsake them. Oh God, pour out your Spirit on them. Let them know that there is a purpose, a divine purpose even if they don't see or understand it today, that you will reveal yourself strong in your perfect time, in your perfect way, for your kingdom. Oh God, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth and in us just as it is in heaven. Lord, we remember this Memorial Day weekend. And may we never forget the sacrifice of Jesus, that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Bless your people. In the holy name of Jesus, we pray and we all say, Amen. Praise God. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.